We would like to welcome you this morning to Abundant Life Ministries as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Well, this morning I felt a strong, compelling desire to... And yes, I got notes. Couldn't do it. I said I'm not going to have notes this morning. I could probably preach this sermon without notes, but... I felt uh, the Lord gave me something to say, and I want to make sure I say everything He's given me to say. But I want to talk about the topic of church. Because today in our culture, in our society, there are many different ideas as the meaning of what the church is. But I want to clarify as to what we hold to here in Abundant Life and our understanding of ecclesiology, which is the theological term for the study of the church, and what it is that we believe the church is here for. Now, this is a very large topic in which could take several weeks, and so I want you to understand this is a brief overview to challenge you, to encourage you, and to hopefully strengthen you this morning as a local body of Christ. Many of you know the school closed yesterday. And I believe that though it was a very difficult decision, it was the best decision to bring honor to God. Starting in highly negative numbers would not be wise, neither for the church or the leadership, nor the families or the staff of Abundant Life. And though it was not a popular decision as I spoke with the parents yesterday, we believe it is the most honoring decision to the Lord. Those decisions were not based off of a whim. They were based off of prayer, God's Word. And in the midst of Acts chapter 27, God spoke to my heart and He said, Do not set sail. You will lose everything. And so that's why we have not opened the school, is we feel that, well, in the midst of a great need, we just weren't able to make it financially. Now, we understand that our God owns the cattle in a thousand hills. And He could have provided the money if He see the necessity for the school to remain open right now, but ultimately... That was the reason why. But in the midst of thinking about the church, the purpose of the church, why it exists, how that fits in our lives, and how this transition takes place in the life of this ministry, I found myself in a large debate over this very topic with some friends of mine in which I responded to a Facebook post in a 13-page response. Kind of a long Facebook post, wouldn't you agree? But I think in the midst of that, God was preparing my heart for this message this morning. Listen, we live in a time when people want to design, facet, create for themselves their own truth. They want to design their own religion. People want to make their own rules. And people want not to be put in the box of God's Word. People desire not to deal with sin and submission. Those are the two S words that are extremely difficult for us as humans to deal with. No one likes to submit and... No one likes to talk about sin. It's a dirty word. And people want to create for themselves their own truth simply because they want to become their own God. I I could not believe that I found myself debating this very 
theory that it was not or is not the Christian's responsibility, the follower of Jesus Christ's responsibility to be a part of a local body of believers on a weekly basis. But this is where the culture is going. Church is a facade. It's something that's not needed. That's what they'll tell you. And so I debated. I felt the need to stand up for what the church is. But I felt that in the midst of it, there was little value in doing it. But I found that it was the most important to myself. As I began to gut check my thoughts and my ideas and my reasoning and what is the purpose of the church. And so we debated. So I think that as we begin to look at the title here that I entitled, Why the Church, it allows us to think uh, about two very simple questions that we're going to look at. Really three, but two that we uh, titled. The first one is, what is the church? Now this seems basic, but on the on the standard of what we find in our culture, it's not maybe such a standard any longer. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the church? And so let's look at our first point. That question, what is the church? Well, throughout all of the Bible, we find ourselves organized body of believers, which I would refer to as the church. That's really the basics when we deal with the church, with ecclesiology. We should each and every one of us know that the church is not a building. It is not a facility. The fact is, is that this morning when we came together, we brought the church to the building. We brought the church to gather here at 1293 Plantation Drive, Hardyville, South Carolina, 29927. The church wasn't here before we came this morning. We brought the church to the building. The building is not the church. There is nothing holy about this forward-walled room. There is nothing significant in its value, either this building nor this property. And let me explain why. Because at the end of eternity, at the end of this temporary life, this building, nor this property, nor anything that falls within its peace can stand the test of fire. Therefore, it has no eternal value. Now, does that mean that we should disrespect what God has blessed us with? No. Does that mean that it doesn't have some standard of value within the community, within the culture we live? No. Matter of fact, if you were to look up the value of this piece of property, it would probably shock you. Because it is a very valuable piece of property. But, I want you to understand, and my point is, is that you are the church, not the body, not the building. So the church is not where you gather, but instead those who do gather. We could meet this morning in a home. We could meet uh, this morning in the Chick-fil-A in Bluffton. Though they're closed, sometimes Chick-fil-A opens their buildings for churches. To meet in, to gather in. We could meet downtown in the park or the center. We can meet wherever we would like because we bring the church together. Acts, this book, speaks of the church. It speaks of leadership. Timothy talks about leadership within the church. Titus talks about leadership within the church. First, Peter 5 talks about leadership within the church. 
And at this point, you could call this thing we call church the local body of Christ. Now, I want you to understand the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesiology. Ekklesia is the Greek word. It simply means, listen to what it means, it means the called out ones. Doesn't talk about a building. Doesn't talk about a place. Doesn't talk about things. No, it talks about those people whom are called out that are the church. And so some may say, what are you doing Sunday? Well, some may say I'm going fishing, I'm going hunting. Some may say I'm going to church. What does it mean when we say we're going to church? It might be more appropriate to say that we are going to gather the church. Because we have this idea that uh, we go into church. We are the church. We are going to gather together as the body of Christ to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6.15 speaks of the church not as a building but a house. So there can be a such thing as a house church. Then we still see house churches in other countries and some places in America. And while they may not fit the actual biblical picture of a church, you can have a church plant that begins in someone's home. Most of the erroneous house churches today, they have no leadership, they have no submission, and they have no one preaching God's Word. They just simply meet together and call it a church. Or a family may sit home and pop on the, the TV and say, that's my church, I'm sitting here and I'm watching it on television. But even though we can find here in Romans 16.5 the church in a house, there is always hopes of growing into a larger area where God grows the local body of believers. So in this situation, Paul is pointing to the people within the house, not the house itself. Ephesians 1, 22-23 tells us that Christ is the head of this local body of believers. And so we see leadership within this body of believers, with Christ being the head. And that flows down through the leadership into the body of followers, the shepherd, the sheep, down to the children. God has always set an order in process. And so we have the term, the local body, and then we also have a term we call the universal body of Christ. The universal body of Christ, I like to say, uh, contains... All of the Christians within the world that have ever been and that will ever be. That is the universal body of Christ. And you, that those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, are a part of the universal body of Christ. When we die and we step into eternity, we will be united with the universal body of Christ. But this morning, just like we're sitting here meeting as a local body... So is Red Dam Baptist, so is First Baptist of, of Hardyville. They're all meeting as the local body of believers. And so there is a difference. And I'm trying to define terms. And we see that Romans 12, 4, 5 gives us this great picture of this universal body. And how it relates. And how you can be related to another congregation down the road. Or that congregation or this congregation. And still be in sync with God. And still be a godly church. And still be part of the universal body of Christ. As he says this. For as in one body we have many members. And each member does not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. We see that this universal body of Christ is, is defined as the human body. I have a thumb, I have a finger, 
I have a bunch of fingers. I have toes. I have knees. I have ears. I have eyes. I have mouth. I have teeth. I have tongues. They're all part of the same body. So are we in Christ. Now, in some churches, they have too many heads, okay? Some, some, too many churches have too many hands. Everybody wants to be in charge. But the fact is, is that we all play different roles within the body of Christ. And that shows us the importance of the local body. And so this local body deals not with the universal aspect, but deals with each individual church or each group of localized gathering of believers or called out ones. So this morning we meet as the local body of Christ. The picture we see comes from Paul in this passage, one of many of course, but you'll get the idea in Galatians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. He said, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. This is a term of plurality. Paul refers, and don't miss, to the churches of Galatia. There were many different places where Christians, where the universal body of Christ were gathering as a local body of Christ, together. And though they are still, Paul, all a part of the body, we sometimes meet in different places for different purposes, but all for the same reason. Well, I think that we can say we have a simple understanding of what the body is. It's not the building, but it's the people. We know what the church is and what the church is not. Which may seem very simple, but very, very, very important as we move forward. These things are important because I want you to understand people can and will put more emphasis into buildings than into people. They will emphasize more about the colors of the walls than the condition of the hearts. People will divide the body over buildings. People will conclude that some things are magical within this room that take place. But what I'm trying to commit, commit to you this morning is that it doesn't matter where you and I meet together to fellowship. The same goal is accomplished if our purpose is to glorify and to praise and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. God cares about the details of this building. And I'm a detailed kind of person if you know me. He cares about the areas, the facilities that people meet in. But I want you to understand this morning why it's not that important about the building, about the facility. It's because God does not dwell in buildings anymore. He dwells in bodies. Not the temple. Do you not know that your body is the temple of God? And that Christ is in you? As a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and as, it, as also Christ and as also God. So I feel like we're pretty clear on what the church is. It's the body of believers. So the next logical question we must ask is what is the purpose of the local church? What is our purpose? Why do we come on the Lord's day to gather together? What is our purpose? Does every church have a different purpose? I mean, Red Dam, I mean, I know Kevin. He seems like a good guy. I don't know him personally. I've only met him a few times, but he seems like he preaches the word fine. I've met the pastor at the First Baptist Church. I don't think we agree on a lot of things theologically. 
But does he have the major doctrine? Why then do we have different purposes? What is our purpose as the church? So let's answer that question. I want to first establish this idea, this theory. The problem that exists in our culture today is people believe that they can create for themselves what they want to exist. And the ultimate problem is this. That you and I do not make up what is proper. We don't determine what is right, what is wrong, what is proper, what is moral, and what is immoral. God does. And if we don't do those, why do we think we have the ability to, to make a decision of what the church really is? And what its purpose really is? You'll find all different kinds of ideas of what the purpose is based off the ideas of man in our culture today. But I want you to heed this warning today. When you step out and you say what you are going to do, and you make your decisions based off of what you think is right, not based off of this is what we call God's Word, then you make yourself out to be God. And there is but one God, one Lord, one Judge, one King of Kings, one Lord of Lords, and that is Jesus Christ. And His Word is truth. And He says, Sanctify them in truth. Thy Word is truth. And ultimately, the fact is, is I'm not God, and you're not God, nor do I wish to be God, nor should we any wish to be our own God. People will just ramble on with ideas and silly takes on the opinions of man. And I don't know about you, but I don't really care about the opinion of man on their desires and what they think. Because I want to do what God wants and run things like God wants. People will all of the time chuck out verses. Listen, I saw it the other night. Sunday night I visited a, a small church in here in town. And boy, they were just... Poo, 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 just use it however you want. Because this is what it says. Baloney! You took it out of context, brother! They will chuck out words and they will just throw things out of context. And it's sickening. Because they do not care about what God thinks, they care about the opinion of man. They'll let science dictate what this book means instead of this book dictating what science means. But I don't care about the opinion of man. I care about what God desires because I want to do the things God wants me to do and do it His way. They lack the big picture and really they're in doing this they bring grave injustice to God's Word. And we don't have the right to define the church by our own opinions, by our own thoughts, by our own standards in what it is and how it works and its purpose because we didn't write the Word of God. God did. And He does know what its purpose is. And it's found right here within the Scripture of the Bible. So I believe that in order to grasp the understanding of what the church is, we must look where? At God's Word. And when we just simply begin to dig and to see what it says, I believe that it teaches us some very basics that I believe we're going to really need to know as a church going forward. Acts 2, 41 and 42 gives great insight as to what the church should be like. What should take place in a church service? 
and therefore gives us a good picture of what the purpose of church is. It reads this, With many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. I wonder what Jesus would say about our generation today. I'm willing to bet he'd say at least the same thing. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. I'd say that was a pretty good Sunday morning, wouldn't you? 3,000 people were saved and added. We have the first picture of a mega church right there. But listen to what it says in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Here we find a biblical definition of the, the Christian church. The localized church doing things in community, together, as a body, as a group. Well, I watched my sermon on TV this week, Pastor, with my wife. I taught my kids in the home. You know, we just woke up late, so we didn't want to come into church late. Well, if you just listen to the sermon, ah, we listen to it on the radio. You know, Pastor, what are you doing Sunday? Ah, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm going fishing. Really? Yeah, I, I don't need to go to church. I, I worship out there on the water. You ever heard that? Well, when I was in Montana, well, I, I don't need to go to church. I worship up there in the mountains because the mountains are beautiful. You know, people hike. I don't like to walk, I don't like to run unless something's chasing me. But in Montana, they like to hike and walk and run. And that's where they worship God in the mountains. I get up in those mountains all alone with God and that's where I worship. Well, listen. According to these simple little verses of Acts, these activities that we see happening in the church are done in community. Not in solitude or in isolation. Not in private, but in public. You see, we live in a generation that's private. Right? I mean, what happens when you go on an airplane now? Do you talk to anybody? No. Why? Because they got little headphones in their ear. They're in their own little world. I'm in my private world. You can't hear me and I can't hear you. Huh? What did you say? That's the way we like it. We like our own little space, our privacy. We don't want to deal with people. But what we see happening in the church, listen, happens in community. It happens in community where we can see each other's struggles. Where we can see the needs of our brothers and sisters. Where we can lift each other up. Where we can pray for one another. Where we can cry together. Where we can laugh together. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers for one another. You know, at the end of every service, we give a, a, an invitation to open up in prayer. And while, listen, I understand coming forth and praying right here on this stage... It means nothing different than you praying in uh, your seat. Every Sunday school hour, we spend about 15 minutes in prayer. And I can tell you, I know the needs of everyone in Sunday school. Most of the needs that they're at least open with. How many of the needs do you know of the people around you right now? How many in Sunday school know my needs this morning? Raise your hand. You know why? 
Because I told him my needs. I know his needs. I know Ashley's needs. I know dad's needs. And I know many of your needs as well because, well, I'm the pastor and that's my job. But I'm only one person within this whole body. And I want you to look around at each other because every one of you need each other. You need to know Julie's needs today. You need to know Barry's needs today. You need to know Raymond's needs today and his wife's needs today. You need to know Virgil's needs today. We need to know John's needs today and his wife's needs today. We need to know William's needs today. Ain't that right, William? Yeah, that's right. With your cool glasses, I like it. Listen. There has to come a time when this community becomes aware of each other's needs. Their struggles. So that we can intercede on each other's behalf. Because that's what the body does. It's not in solitude. It's not in confinement. It's not in isolation. Do you not remember what happened to Jonah when he isolated himself? He became self-focused. You see, my needs become a lot less when I know what you're going through. Your needs become a lot less when you know what I'm going through. Church takes place in community. And here I'm debating with a so-called brother in Christ who sits in his camper and watches his church on TV. And yet he tells me it's biblical. Nobody knows his problems. He's got no accountability. He's got nobody to look over his shoulder and say, Brother, do you know that's a sin? You shouldn't do that. In love. He's got no one he needs to submit to. You see what he's done? He's created his own church. You won't find that in Scripture. A matter of fact, what we find in Scripture is people stepping away from their needs, selling everything they have to make sure the needs are met within the body. Well, hold on now. That sounds socialistic, Pastor. Hey, listen, it's biblical. If you know your brother's in need and you have, you should sell what you have to make sure he's made for. Now, I'm not talking about the lazy bum who won't go to work. The Bible says, if you don't work, you shall not eat. But there's needs right here in our own body. And listen, if you're not a part of the local body, what I mean by that, if you have not submitted to the leadership of the local church, then you're out of fellowship. And the best is not there for you. Because you know what? If you're not part of the local body of Christ, if you have not joined a local church, though you may be part of the universal body of Christ, we don't know your needs. And I can't give you advice. I can't hold you accountable. You can't hold me accountable because you're not a part of the local body of Christ. That's why membership's important. According to these verses, the activities in church are done in community. And so from this verse, we can see the purposes and the activities of the church and what they should be doing. The first thing that should be done is what? There should be teaching biblical doctrine. The Word of God must flow forth in church. Secondly, there must be the providing of a place for fellowship of believers. That means we make sure we have a place where we can call our local gathering place. And right now, by God's grace, is this little room. 
which I can tell you is a huge room compared to many churches across the world. This is a mega church compared to churches you find in these third world countries that meet in little cramped up houses when I was doing mission trips in different countries. We would meet in little bitty huts. It'd be so many people packed in their bad breath, all stank, got no shower, got no soap, all dirty, but yet we're packed in there and the Word of God is being preached and it's just a, a great thing. Yet, we come back to America and you know what the number one thing that a missionary says when he, what's the hardest thing about coming back to America? And he says, being in America. Because we've been so blessed, yet we take so much advantage of what God has blessed us with. The third thing that must take place in the church is we must have the observation of the Lord's table. We break bread together. Now, we don't do that on a, on a weekly basis. We do that on a monthly basis. The Scripture says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so we choose to do it on a monthly basis, first Sunday of the month, and we also eat together then. Fourthly, there must be opportunity for the praying of the saints. Listen, if you are not a part of an adult Bible fellowship, Sunday school, I want to encourage you to get involved. Because I can tell you right now, there's a tight knit within that Sunday school class. And it is a great thing to be able to know the needs of your brother and sister. And unless you're there, you won't know it. Unless somebody else reveals it to you. And let me tell you, there's nothing like hearing the needs of somebody coming from themselves. When we pray every week for people in this body like Eric, who's going through cancer, treatment, when we pray for Ashley and her family, you know her needs. In Scripture, we find people sought the needs of the people. They didn't wait for the needs to come to them. You see, I believe, listen, I believe that the genuine picture of a church is community. And when the outside world catches wind that we're doing community the way the Bible says community, they're going to be interested. But why would I go to church with a bunch of hypocrites? You see what the problem is? You see, we don't act like a church sometimes. And we have, a, we, we have a really good body here. I've, listen, trust me. I'm happy with being here. I think what we have is good here. But is good good enough? Do you want to be good? Or do you want to be best? Do you want to get better at being a church? And being in community? And growing together? Praying together? Doing the Lord's table together? Hearing the Word of God together? Being transformed by His Word? I want to be the best. And I want God's best. And I believe that our best only comes from the biblical model of church. And if these things are not taking place in what you call your model of the church, then your church is faulty and built upon the wisdom of man and will only accomplish that which man can accomplish. I can't understand how it's possible to stay home and to call that a church when you can't accomplish these things that take place in the local church. Now, I want to make something clear here because not everybody can come to church. Would you not agree? I think everybody knows somebody probably home right now that's ill or old or going through difficulties and they can't make it to church. And that's why it's important that pastors like myself, we help and go to people's homes. Now I can tell you this is not an expertise of mine. But I see my shortcomings and I see where I need to be improved. But I've been in the homes of many people who were part of a local body. They were members of a church. But they couldn't come. They were battling cancer and so I would go to their house and I would pray with them. I would do the Lord's table with them. 
I would hear their needs. I would fellowship with them. And I would even give them a sermon. You see, just because you're in home doesn't mean you're not a part of the local body of Christ. But now if you're lazy and you're just being a bum and you can't get out of the bed and you don't want to come and you can't be on time, that's different. That's, that's a personal problem. That I pray in God's timing will grow you and mold you and make you into someone that's willing to, to wake up and to be on time to church. To come and to desire that community. Now while we can pray along, we can eat along, we can fellowship over the phone or the computer, which I can promise you is a great tool. Dad and I have an opportunity to disciple someone on the internet weekly. We sit down and we have our little chat screens and we're going through a discipleship curriculum with his brother, my uncle. He came and he visited and God moved in his heart and he's, he's enjoying church, he's changing his life and we're using that venue. But that venue is never to be used as an excuse for not gathering together. That's why I don't post my sermons immediately on Sunday after church. I don't want the media to become their church. Here in America, we've, blessed, we've been blessed with many godly churches. And if you believe that there is not a good church that you can settle to, to give your tithes to, to worship together, to fellowship between Atlanta and North Carolina, I want you to understand you're probably part of a cult. Or you think more highly of yourselves than you ought to. The local body is to gather together. They, there are teachers, there are leaders, there are brothers and sisters, there together in unity, and the church is to be a place of fellowship, where Christians can be devoted to one another and to honor one another, like we see in Romans 12.10. I believe that all Scripture is inspired by God. God breathed. And so when we ask the question now, when is the best time to meet together? Well, I believe that going back to Exodus chapter 20 is the first place to go. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. You, your sons, your daughters, your male, your servants, your livestock, or sojourners within your gate. For six days the Lord had made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now listen. Let me clarify any misunderstanding right off the bat. Number one, we are no longer under the law. We're under grace. But the fact is, just because we are no, no longer under the law doesn't mean that the law is not good. I mean, you wouldn't want to discredit thou shalt not murder, right? I mean, I wouldn't. You, somebody might come in my house and try to take me out. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. We are called to keep the Sabbath holy. Now, whether you agree that's on Saturday or Sunday, that's another whole sermon in itself. I'm not going to get into that. But listen, I have no quabbles. I have a disagreement with those who worship on Saturday and not on Sunday, but I have no quabbles with those who are faithful in worshiping on Saturday. At least they're faithful in, in taking a day as their Sabbath. You see, Sunday is not my Sabbath. Why? Because I work. Monday's my Sabbath. And so I take Mondays off. And I well, I try to most of the time and I spend it with my family. And I always like to tell them, hey, listen, when we get to heaven, you'll find out you're wrong. We just agree to disagree. 
Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another as all the more as you see the day drawing near. We gather together on the Lord's Day, which is the Sabbath. And while I understand every day is the Lord's Day, we should take this day, give it to God, because He declared it to be holy. Listen, I want you to understand as your pastor, I really believe in that. I go to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. Unless I'm sick as a dog, I'm going to church on Sunday. Guess what? If I'm on vacation, I'm going to church. If I'm going to Atlanta, you bet your tail I'll be on the internet looking for a church prior to me going there. Now, do I go to church because I, I got to? Because it's the law? No. I go because I want to. I need that community. I need the fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I can't help but sit here and wonder, where's this family? Where's that family? Where's this brother? Where's that sister? Because I care about them. I want to I know they're in community and that they're growing together and that we're doing life together as a body. And I can tell you, listen, this morning, if you do not have the desire of your heart to fellowship with other believers, to be with God's people together on Sunday, Monday through Friday, Saturday, you better check yourself. Because as Christians, we should desire to fellowship with one another. It is just normal. And so if you don't have that desire, then you better consider yourself abnormal. Acts 27, or 20 verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. He prolonged his message until midnight. We find here that this local body of believers is gathering on the first day of the week. Where Paul was preaching the word, leadership present, fellowship. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, we also see a weekly collection which seems to point to a weekly gathering of believers. And while the collection, the tithe, again, is another whole topic, we need to understand that as the body of Christ, unless we begin to set up and start our tithing, like God desires us to as a church, we will lose this facility. I, I believe that God can be glorified in the midst of that. Why? Because the church is not the building. Do we want to lose it? We could literally be the centerpiece of Hardyville. Is there another gym in Hardyville that you know of? No, you know why? Because we rent ours out to the other people. Now, there may very well be here shortly. Because you know what? They want what we got, so they got to build it. We have everything we need to impact this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it takes the body functioning together properly in gathering together, in a community, and in giving their tithes and offerings, in supporting the church.
We have some tough roads ahead. But I want you to know, I'm willing to fight for it. I'm willing to make the sacrifice for it. And listen, I have no agenda. I have nothing to gain from this ordeal other than to see God's glory revealed. But can I be committed if you're not committed? Should my family have to suffer if your family doesn't have to suffer? For the sake of Christ, he tells us in this world there will be trials. But I've overcome the world. We have tough times ahead. I've been willing to step up and to not take a salary. That's $3,200 a month. And you know what? I'm okay with that. You know why? Because I believe that God will provide. We've been in this situation before. God's provided. Now, I ain't going to say, you know, to sit back and to think about not having $3,200 a month is not difficult, okay? But God will provide. Scripture teaches that the pastor should be paid. And this church has faithfully paid me through difficult circumstances. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, The elders who rule well are considered worthy of double honor especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching, for the Scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the labor is worth his wages. Now, I have made a vow, if the money is not there, to not take a paycheck. The bills must be paid first. This mortgage must be paid first. As long as we can do it, we'll do it. But I want you to understand, I need to know that you're going to make the sacrifice as well. Because no matter how much I want this to succeed, I cannot do it alone. This is not a one-man show. This is a body. And each of us has different functions. And now is the time to stop looking at the temporary and begin to look at the eternal. And place ourselves in a position to where we can make sacrifices. We only owe $250,000 on this piece of property. That ain't much more than a home cost nowadays. And this property is probably valued at close to a million and a half dollars. Now, in our economy, you probably wouldn't get that for it. But hey, it'd be worth a try, don't you agree? I want you to know I'll give my life for the church. I won't give my life for the school, but I'll give my life for the body of Christ. But I need to know that you are on board as seeing this local body grow. I know God has shut down the school. And I believe it's because we've put God on the back burner. And there's nobody to blame. It's not a blame game. But I believe the house of the Lord lies in ruin. And I want to read something out of the book of Haggai. Chapter 1. And as I decided that, you know what, I, I can't 
embark in the journey of stepping out on a deficit as we faced as a school. Through Acts chapter 27, God revealed to me that. I didn't understand why. And through prayer, God opened my eyes to this. Chapter 1. In the second year of Darius the king, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel and to Joshua the son. Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while the house lies desolate? Now thus says the Lord of hosts, He says this, Consider your ways. So let's consider our ways. That's what we have to do. And I believe as we consider our ways, and we look, the church has taken the back burner. And I believe that God is going to move and do mighty things now. Listen to what He says. And see, if you're not involved in the school, this will go right over your head. But if you're involved in the school and you know anything about it and you know about the struggles that's been going on, you'll get it. He says this, Have you sown much? You have sown much, but harvested little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothes. But no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earn wages to put them in purse with holes. You see, that's what we've been. That's what we've experienced. And he says, consider your ways again. He says, go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to you little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, the earth has withheld its produce, I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on the ground produced. No men, on cattle, in all of the labor of your hands. I believe that our focus removed from God, God has placed a drought on this church. The question is, do we want to stay there? And I don't doubt for a second anybody would say, no way. We're ready to see something take place in this church. We're ready to see God's Spirit move and be stirred up. And so listen to what he says. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltalah, and Joshua, the high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, in the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people showed reverence for the Lord. They showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying this, I am with you, declares the Lord. So I stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, 
the governor of Judah, in the spirit of Joshua, in the son of Jehoiada, the high priest, in the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord, their host, their God. And on the 24th day of the sixth month and the second year of King Darius. Listen, this is my commission to you this morning. It's not the time to lay down. It's the time to rebuild. God wants to do a mighty work in this church. God wants to do something. We need each of us here for the edification of one another. We need the tithes of the people brought into the storehouse so that we can move forth. While many are faithful, many are not. We need your willingness to serve. Your willingness to become a part. And in many times you're not allowed to serve if you're not a member of abundant life. And if you agree theologically with our doctrinal statement and need a church home, then we ask that you would join and fall under the submission of the leadership and let's begin the process of rebuilding the house of the Lord. And commit to this local body of believers. Meeting weekly on the first day of the week, which is a biblical principle. This letter is to the churches of Corinth. Paul's words were just as important to, to us as the words of Jesus. Because all Scripture is inspired by God. The Christians assembled regularly. You can see these in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 to 18, verse 20, verse 33, chapter 14, verse 23, and verse 26. Check out all these verses about gathering together in the congregation. Psalm 122, 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You see, he's glad. There's a joy that comes from going into the house of the Lord. Psalm 42, 4 says, For I used to go along with, with the throne and lead them in the uh, processions to the, to the house of God. Psalm 55, 14 we who had sweet fellowship together walked in the house of God together. Psalm 35, 18, I will give thee thanks to the great congregation. I will praise thee among the mighty throne. Psalm 49 to 10, I have proclaimed good tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord. Thou knowest I have not hidden thy righteousness within my heart. I have spoken thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Psalm 149.1 Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And His praises in the congregation of the godly ones. So Proverbs five twelve to fourteen, and I say, and, and you say, how have I hated instruction in my heart, spurned reproof, and I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to the instructors. I was most in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly, the congregation. And go on and on and on and on. Community, churches building community. Biblical churches are built in community. And after the Lord's church, the local body, was established in Pentecost, Pentecost, its members met weekly, often daily. Acts 27 says, Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. Again, we see that meeting. Listen, there's plenty of biblical evidence. To show that the church is gathering weekly. We need a church that gathers weekly. And we need each other weekly. When one worships on the mountain or on a boat, 
They're just not doing it the biblical way. I'm not saying it can't be done for a period of time for people that are in places that have no churches or other Christians, but it's not the best. And I don't know about you, but I want the best from God. I want you to have the best that God has to offer you. Which comes first in salvation. First, we must understand that Christ is the head of the church. And it's supreme authority. Secondly, the local church is to be autonomous. Free from any external authority or control. With the right of self-government and freedom from the interface of any hierarchy or individuals or organizations. Third, the church is to be governed by spiritual leaders consisting of two main offices, elders and deacons. We are starting that process. But in order to have that process accomplished, what do we need? We need faithful men to step up and be a leader that God has called you to be as a man. The people need us. The fact is, church is good. Church is done best when done properly based off of God's Word, when done right, and edifies the believers and glorifies God. What is the church? You are the church. You need each other. What is the purpose? To teach, to gather, to do the ordinances, and to pray. How often? Weekly. And if you're not committed, listen. I'm going to step out on a limb this morning and say this. If you agree with us doctrinally, and you're not committed to this church, then I would suggest you go find another church that you can be committed to. Because we are in a place where we have no room for that. We need committed Christians that are going to build and edify the body of Christ. And I'll love you enough to tell you that if you're not a part of a fellowship, then you're out of fellowship with the Lord. He is looking to rebuild this place. It may not be in this building. It may not be on this facility. But I can tell you, I'm excited to know what God's going to do. And if we sell this place, I want you to know our objective is to build a church across the street. We have 15 acres that God has blessed us with that's paid for. And if we can sell this facility... Because I don't know about you, but the reality is, is we don't have enough people to supply the needs that this place has right now. If God were to fill this place, then amen, hallelujah, let's fill it. Take some cards. Invite people to church. Tell them God's doing something neat here and you want to be a part of this. Come and fellowship. Come to the, the Lord's house. Go into the highways and the byways and plead with them. Come. And I believe that God can do some neat things. The leaders here are willing to stand up and to fight the battle. To take the blunt. I'm okay with that. But I need your prayers. Because sometimes I want to lay down too. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you.